Hello and welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Universe Podcast. Today we're talking about the Clone Wars, Season 2, Episodes 5-8, through 8, in which we track the whole process and aftermath of the Geonosian invasion. All that and more right after this ad we have no control over. Welcome back. I'm Matthew. I'm your host. And I'm joined, as always, for a Clone War discussion by Riki and Sarah Hayashi. How are you folks doing tonight? Hey, we're all right. How are you? The Force is with us tonight. The, for- the Force is with us all. It's good to hear. Um, yeah, um, I- this is going to be a fun group of episodes. I think this is the first time where we have every episode we are watching is all part of one plot arc. Um, as I said, I think we get episodes five through eight really cover... You know, from the it basically takes us through a military campaign from the the invasion of Geonosis to the the Battle of Geonosis to the horror movie of Geonosis to the um, horror movie Other in space aftermath of the. Um, so yeah, it's kind of like four different directors got to tell a war story. It was kind of fun. Yeah, and I think it also really exemplifies how the series is. Um evolving in, into like it, it was very very episodic at the beginning of season one and now we're getting these like bigger arcs which is really nice yeah i i think i really like this one um especially it's a, it's a bigger arc and it also just seems with some noted exceptions um but it seems like they we're taking war a lot more seriously um mm-hmm. you know th- this felt much more like a war movie uh it, well until it got to be a horror movie but like the, the first two episodes especially it just it felt a lot more brutal and a lot more like a Oliver Stone type thing instead of a, a, a silly parody of a, a battle. Notably, this is the second Battle of Geonosis because the first Battle of Geonosis took place in the movie Attack of the Clones. Right. And for whatever plot reasons, they had to reinvade this planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they mentioned that the Geonosians had reconquered it in part thanks to this uh, these uh, mind control worms that they... Uh, reveal in the in the last two episodes what so so what is your uh, i think we all have some pretty strong feelings on this but uh, uh about the geonosians but let me just start kind of what, what's your overall take on these episodes uh yeah i like them i i do like the different flavors that we're getting um like we've already talked about the last two episodes being a horror movie and i like how they're playing with genre um and including that but still keeping it in a quote-unquote family-friendly package mm-hmm well, I love horror, and I don't get to watch it much anymore because Sarah hates horror. <laughs> Fair. Uh, so these these episodes were just fine by me, and I actually have something to say. Like I think in the last um, the last podcast, I, I sounded a little negative about the early season two episodes, and I think I figured it out. Mm. And that's because, um, as we discussed off air, we are Sarah and I are into like the fourth season. Oh yeah, where, where things it gets really good, mm-hmm. and we are super invested in the story and the characters. And while season two is an improvement from season one, coming back to it after we have visited even further into the future, I guess I was a little more disappointed than I thought I would be. Um, it's and it's just like relative, right? Like if you watch through season one, then season two is a market improvement, and you go, yeah. "Oh yeah, this is this is good now." But coming back to it, it's like, eh, but it's not quite as good as it gets. <laughs> that that may well be uh, a big part of the difference because, for me, season two seems fantastic because 
it's probably five years or six years since I saw um, season four, let alone beyond that. Um, so yeah, I think that's a really good observation. Um, it, it, it's also something I can relate to. I am, um, you guys, I assume are big uh, Firefly and, and Buffy and, and fans of all those kind of Joss Whedon shows. Uh, yeah, we, we were. I don't know. Okay, that, <laughs> that's mean, fair. I enjoyed them. I, I enjoyed. I certainly enjoyed them in the past. You know, and as you have had discussions on superhero ethics, like they Joss Whedon has well. kind of become a questionable yeah. person. Mm-hmm. So it's like, do I still enjoy them? I don't know. Yeah, and I. I, I never watched Firefly when it was on the air. I ended up watching it on Netflix a, a few ways back after watching Serenity, and I like Serenity a lot more. Um, and I watched Buffy, but I think those are the only two like Whedon TV arcs that I've seen. Yeah, that that's fair. Yeah, I wasn't trying to get into the whole Whedon debate, although I certainly agree with you on uh, on that. They've not aged well, and and he has not aged well. Mm-hmm. Um, but my only point was the first Whedon thing I ever saw was. Um, firefly mm-hmm. and then i saw um the buffy musical episode oh that one's great <laughs> and and so then when i was like okay i want to go watch this buffy thing let's go start with season one and i was like oh because <laughs> like yeah. the, the way i described it is like you, you you know you have your your absolute favorite baseball or football player and, and then you you know who's a professional and then you get to watch tapes of him in middle school and you're like okay i can see flashes of the talent that i'm going to love but this person has a lot of growing to do. And I think Clone Wars are the same. Like um, this season seems a lot better than season one, but we're on a pretty sharp up ramp. And so if you're, you're getting, you're coming back from season four and five, um, th- this can seem like it's not quite as good by a lot of, by a lot of measures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's got, it's the same thing with uh, next gen. Um, mm-hmm. When we, when we watched it, we just skipped seasons one and two. Um, okay. I, Riki had, had seen it before a whole bunch and I hadn't watched it. I tried to get into it and would always get like halfway through season one and then give up. Yeah. Um, so we, when we came back to it, we started with season three, watched it all, and then went back to seasons one and two. Um, and by that point it was like, I, I appreciated it because it was just more Star Wars or Star Trek stories. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely not as good, but you see the little like kernels of greatness. And I feel like yeah, something similar is happening here with this, like, jumping back and forth. But I totally agree that if you were just watching season one straight into season two, mm-hmm. yeah, such a such a yeah. drastic difference. Well, it makes a lot more sense, though, now, because, uh, Riki, I remember when you first got to season two, you were texting me like, wow, this is so much better. And so I was very confused last time we recorded. But now I think that mm-hmm. makes total sense. Um, so what's we'll we'll talk about each episode uh, in particular, but what's kind of your overall sense of um? Let's just start with the Geonosians themselves. Um, as you mentioned, Riki, it's a little weird that we're kind of back against this particular group on this planet, and I think there's yeah. a couple reasons for that. And I'm kind of curious what's what's your take on the Geonosians as a as a as a race in this in this in this like in the movie in this in the show and and their role in the storyline. Well, I mean, just in general, they're bugs. Right, mm-hmm. they are multi-limbed, uh, flying, exoskeletal beings, and I think in the in the science fiction canon, bugs have often been like that, you know, ugly enemy, yeah. the, the inhuman ugly enemy. Um, Starship Troopers, they went against bugs. Ender's Game, they go against bugs. Right, uh, and and it, 
on and on and on in science fiction. Uh, it, it's it's basically a trope, and I think it's used because you know a lot of human beings are afraid of bugs. You know, I myself have mild arachnophobia, and you know you see a bug in your house and you're like, oh, you know, you just kill it often in, instead of treating it like an animal, right? And, and so the use of bugs in science fiction is like this is, is to kind of other the beings and make them seem yeah. subhuman. And especially the Geonosians don't speak English or basic or whatever it's called in this universe. They, they communicate through a clicking sound, which right. is very inhuman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not even like other races that we've come across where they have a different language, but it's like, we can hear the same sort of speech patterns. It is this like, clicky buggy sound um and it is sort of a perfect way to dehumanize the enemy like yeah. in in the original star wars we have stormtroopers right and they're like constantly wearing their helmets you never get to see their faces they're all the same but now we've gone back and we're humanizing them as the clone troopers and getting to see like these personalities and so then it's just it's interesting to go and have this this race of just bugs, right? And they're just yeah. like creepy, icky bugs. <laughs> and then there's there's also like this sort of glossing over it. Like I so the reason they're coming to Geono Geonosia is because there's a droid factory there and they need to like stop the droid factory. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um but there's still like an invading occupying force, but it kinda like makes it okay because the planet they're invading is filled with gross icky bugs. So yeah, I, I it's it's an, it's a weird one. Um, and I, I first just on that trope comment, I think that's very true, especially because one thing that um, some of those other books you mentioned go very deep on this, but th- this doesn't really cover it. But I think it sort of alludes to it, is the idea that because often bugs have a kind of hive mind, mm. that each individual isn't actually an individual with its own sentient thought. Which, again, sort of makes it less morally valuable, you know, that it's kind of like you're not killing a living being. You're you're cutting off a finger of of the queen or whatever it is. Um, yeah, yeah. Both Ender's Game and Starship Troopers, they, they are drones. And they're right. like a central brain slash queen mm-hmm. that controls the hive. And we get that here, too. And, and it's, uh, inter- it, it's interesting to me because yeah. I remember when I was watching these these episodes, especially the first one. I was at first really taken aback that. Because I was thinking, this is the first episode where we really see them fighting against living sentient beings and killing living mm-hmm. sentient beings. You know, they're not just killing droids. And especially in that first episode, the, you don't really see much of the Geonosians. And they're not played, like, they're not portrayed quite as horribly. And so in that first episode, leading at point rain, uh, landing at Point Rain, it really felt to me like they were trying to do something kind of interesting of, like, kind of humanizing the enemy a little bit and making it like there be more moral stakes um and and i think that it's, it's funny that they then like immediately pull that back and went, no no they're still disgusting bugs as though to say like we're going to turn the morality of the war up like the small we want to like move away from just killing droids but by the smallest amount we possibly can you know because we're still going to find every way is to to make it seem like no no it's still totally okay to kill these creatures yeah well, I, I would even argue that like the the droids are in some ways more human because at least they have a language that we're understanding, right? Like they're they have cute little personalities. We later find out, like in um, either episode seven or eight, that like they have names. Mm. So yeah, um, 
It's... Yeah, the only named Geonosian is Poggle the Lesser. <laughs> yeah. Which is, right. I don't know. Is there a Poggle the Greater? Yeah. Yeah, that <clears throat> that and that and the Queen. Um Does the Queen does the Queen have a name? Yeah, they mentioned it in the opening uh the opening narration for the uh, last episode, but I can't remember what it is. Okay. Um So yeah, so with that, let's kinda dive into the individual episodes. Um so first we have Landing at Point Rain, um, and this is using the information stolen from Senator Clovis. So and again, which is nice, like this is its own sort of four-part arc, but it is still building on what we saw before. Using that information, Obi-Wan, Anakin, Ahsoka, and Kai, Kai Adi Mundi uh, lead a combined clone trooper assault on a massive droid factory on Geonosis. Um, yeah, I like this episode a lot. I, I, I like that it made war seem a lot more realistic and, and, um, and hard to take. Um, I, uh, you know, it, 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 yeah, it it just seemed a little bit more brutal and a little bit more mm-hmm. in- interesting for that reason. Mm-hmm. This this episode felt like uh, Vietnam, you know, like something out of Apocalypse Now. Very like much the so. opening scene of that movie with the helicopters, like because the the Republic uses these gunships, which are basically like transport helicopters, mm-hmm. right? And they're they're landing troops and and trying to form a beachhead. Yeah, the, the whole landing in a hot... I remember thinking that when I saw the Attack of the Clones, but especially here, I, I definitely think it's very much supposed to be a Vietnam reference. I, yeah. I, I did think, and I'm, I'm, I'm curious if this is one of those times where the writers are being brilliant or being terrible, <laughs> um, but in terms of the dehumanization of the enemy, the kill count that Anakin and Ahsoka have and Ugh. that Mundi winds up jumping into, it... Now, one thing I noticed is that you almost only see Anakin and uh, Ahsoka fighting droids. Because to me, like, if they were taking a kill count of, like, the Geonosians, that would seem much worse to me. Um, which, you know, droid lovers are now yelling at me, but I understand the point. Um, but even so, it seemed like if the point was to show how dehuman, how, like, kind of numb to this suf- to the suffering of war Anakin and Ahsoka have gotten, it's brilliant. If you attempt to just make it be funny that seems really wrong to me and having i I think ricky you you made this written note having mundi take part in it just seems really off yeah um i i agree with what you're saying about the like adding a layer of dehumanization and that's kind of what i got with the anakin uh ahsoka keeping keeping count of how many droids Mm -hmm. they've killed um and it's it's interesting that like they play it off as though this is some sort of like ah yes our ritual of counting how many droids we've killed, but this mm-hmm. is the first and only time yeah. we see this. Um, but yeah, so then they, they, they keep track throughout the battle. And at the end, um, Master Monday ends up getting injured, and he and Obi-Wan are about to head back so that... I think oh, didn't, Doesn't Obi-Wan get injured as well? Yeah, I think they're both hurt. Yeah, so they're they're heading onto the manacle transport to go sit in a weird tube. Um, and... Yeah, Anakin and Ahsoka are bantering about their kill count, and he just throws in, like, 57. It's just <laughs> like, what? Like, 57 is my kill count? What's my prize? It's like, ah, oh, my eternal admiration. It's like, oh, that's useless, and I don't want that. Which, I, I did think that maybe, you know, again, if I want to give the writers credit, maybe that the idea was that he he keeps track because he's a Jedi, and he just knows these things. And he was almost sort of trying to 
be like, what's the point of this stupid thing? Look, I did I did better at you than your thing, and what do I win? Like, hmm. I kind of want it to be that, but sure. I kind of more think it's more him just being like, okay, I guess it's a little harmless battlefield fun. Why not? And, 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 also, and if nothing else, I can twist Anakin's tail a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that, right? Like, the idea of, like, well, I'm this, like, stuffy, older, like, Jedi Master, and I thoroughly tranced you guys in yeah. killing robots? Droids? Sorry, droids. But yeah, it, it seems like a, like, oh, see, Master Mundy's hip and cool, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely the, like, uh, you know, we were talking about how I, I have to learn TikTok to, um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, from my work, and it definitely feels like you know someone my age being like, "Hey, kids, look at a TikTok video I did. <laughs> look at all the ticks I've talked." Yes, yeah. exactly, exactly. Now, so the the kill count concept. I mean, I don't know where it first started, but we see it prominently in Lord of the Rings. Yep. Right? Um, the mm-hmm. the elf and the dwarf who have names. Well, yes, they, they, they <laughs> certainly do. And it's definitely oh part goodness. of Vietnam. I mean, I don't know if mm-hmm. individual soldiers did this, but I know, like, uh, yeah. the military would report the body count on the nightly news as, like, the proof of, you know, yeah. victory. You know, like, we did well. We killed 300. And they use pretty offensive words for the Vietnamese as they did it. And, again, they're, like, it's, it's that sort of thing of, like, are the writers being kind of dumb and racist or are they doing a very subtle job of showing you know dumb racism i can't quite tell yeah. no i think i think that's the latter right because like we said the the beginning of this episode has very like apocalypse now ish vibes mm-hmm. and i think i mean like when you think of vietnam you think of people like taking other people's like dog tags and having those sort of markers for how many people they've killed yeah um so i think that's this is a reference to that but also trying to do it in a sort of light-hearted way like there is sort of a level of humor to it especially at the end right when they find that they've been yeah trounced by master mundi and i can understand to some extent the idea of like in a horrible you know mind-breaking situation you've got to find some humor somewhere Mm -hmm. um you know i i I sort of say like i can i can be incredibly critical of the behavior of people in warfare knowing that i've never been under that kind of you know stress and 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 stress seems like a a far too (laughs) light word you know and it, it mm. i don't think that that justifies any of the horrible things that soldiers so often seem to do during war but it but it is an interesting idea of like you know how easy is it to, ju- to 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 judge that the the other thing i will say about this is um it's kind of a, a small uh comment but at one point uh master mundi you know he's going off to do something dangerous and and one of the troops who was under his command says good luck and he says there is no such thing as luck which I get is an interesting point of Jedi philosophy, but as a way to motivate your troops and to give them hope, that is a terrible thing to say. And also just like not entirely accurate, right? Like I know the Jedi want to be in control of all circumstances at all times, but like you can't master Mundi. But yeah, the idea, like, yeah, I totally agree. Very, very unmotivating. Hmm. But I, so I guess it establishes, Kiari Mundi's character as just taking things very literally, mm. which I puts his later comments into more context. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, I, in some way, because I guess actually the, his approach to the um the the counting thing is though it's almost a like he doesn't quite get it, you know. Yeah, I, I, I kind of like that approach too. So I think Matthew, you're right. Like he 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 just like remembered. Yeah. <laughs> How many he had killed. And he's like, oh, like, this is what I did. What, yeah. What's what's up? What is the prize? Yeah. 
Yeah. What is going on, young people? Um, right? Yeah. With a skateboard. With a skateboard. Hello, fellow youths. Yeah. Um, in, in an, okay, have either of you watched regular show? No. No, I haven't. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, I'm going to say this because maybe someone listening has. In a way, Master Mundi almost reminds me of Pops, who's this, like, gentlemanly, sweet, but very out of touch older character. Um, and I think that's kind of what they're going for. Like, he's he's good at what he does, oh, and wait, he's wait, wise the, in his own way. The gumball machine? The gu- okay. No, no, no. Gumball machine is Benson. The guy uh, with, like, the lollipop uh, head. You've shown me, but I... I know. I know. It's okay. You'll be hip and cool one day again. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's this, like, it seems like a character we've seen before. The idea of this older, kind of out of touch, and, like, funnily out of touch. Mm-hmm. Like, we're, we're, when Master Mundy gives his kill count, we're not laughing at the fact that he's killed more droids than Anakin and Ahsoka. It's that, like, he's trying to participate in the TikToks, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because he doesn't have his Padawan. He's trying to be a part of things. Mm-hmm. Um, one other yeah, thing on that... He oh, go ahead. Well, I don't know. Where, where's his Padawan? Yeah. Well, I think the idea is that uh, Jedi Knights have Padawans. Jedi Masters don't. Um, but the one other thing that I was thinking was... Um, so at that very end scene, Ahsoka is the one saying to Anakin, like, oh, hey, what was your count? What was your count? And he's mm-hmm. he's at first kind of really hesitant to get into it. And finally he sort of says, well, you know, he, he gets into it and argues, you know, he called in the airstrike and doesn't that count? Yeah. Did, did you get the sense that it's maybe because... Especially now that he's seen his mentor um, and good friend um, uh, um, Obi Wan be hurt, that yeah. there's, there's a part of him that's like, okay, this isn't as much of a game as I thought. I need like th- that he's having a moment of like the gamesmanship feels a little bit uncomfortable to him. Yeah, definitely, and also just in a trying to show that it's it maybe a sense of maturity as well. Like he's. He's very. He very much seems like, oh, this is not the time, Ahsoka. But then she easily goads him into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's almost in a like light-hearted sense. It's 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 interesting because I think it shows Ahsoka almost in a sense keeping her innocence despite yeah the the horrors that are taking place around her. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of an I, interesting move of his innocence has been taken away a little bit, but hers is not, mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of a balance. Enrique, I'm sorry, I, I stepped on you. I think you're correct. So, so like the the plot of this episode <clears throat> is that there's a landing zone that they are trying to converge their forces on from I think three or four different directions. Right. And most of their transports are shot down, and they have to make their way to the landing zone by on, on foot. And I think Obi Wan's transport like crashes closest to the landing zone, so they are trying to converge on his position because mm-hmm. right. he's like pinned down. So yeah, it's like very it's a very serious situation. Yeah. And and again that that is that is also to me a very Vietnam kind of situation of the the pin down landing landing land, uh landing zone as well as there's an interesting back and forth with the um the admiral in space and they're all asking him for help and he basically says like look like I I'm in the middle of a space battle myself plus we're invading the whole planet not just your yeah. one portion of it and, and and that was it like I really like I'm liking this admiral more and more. Especially the fact that he just takes no shit from the um, uh, uh, Jedi. You know, he's pretty willing to say, like, okay, Jedi, that's nice. But 
your little battle is not the whole war, you know, get wrecked. I got to go take care of something else. Yeah, definitely. And and feeling pretty foreshadowing for the the split that's a, that's going to take place. Yeah, definitely. I would say spoiler warning, but I think most people know that by now. <laughs> yeah, I, well, like, we mean, like, we, we're assuming people have seen the rest of, like, the movie at the very least, right? Oh, mm-hmm. that reminds me, actually. You mentioned earlier about the stormtroopers and the clones, but I'm going to um actually you. Oh, good. Stormtroopers yeah, are not clones. Yeah, okay. They're, they're just, like, human conscripts. So, sometime after the Clone Wars, they actually get rid of all the clones somehow for some reason sure but it's the same like they're using the same method right like the same no 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 they're just like normal human conscripts okay well yeah because that's where like finn comes from right Uh, that's actually yet again different oh my goodness yeah they, they never really establish where the imperial troopers come from in the main movies but they do establish that the 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 use of cloning has died out okay so in the prequels they're clones right in A New Hope, they're human. They're humans, but we don't know where those humans are from. They're just vol- they're, like they're just like soldiers. volunteers. Yeah. Okay, cool. And then in the newest three movies, they're the- slaves. Okay, yeah, fun. And I think we've we've no reason to think that the Imperial soldiers are. I mean, it's nice to think they're volunteers because then we can feel a lot better about killing them. <laughs> but yeah, sure. it's it's never discussed. I don't think by Lucas in any way. Uh, All right, maybe mention the books interesting yeah well i just assumed since we like never seen a stormtrooper without a helmet that they were yeah oh um otherwise we... they would have had to retcon the voice oh. all of their voices to be <laughs> the Boba Fett voice? australian yeah guy. true <laughs> yeah uh, i'm gonna i'm actually you that's a new zealand accent but yes exactly oh, okay <laughs> and i only know that because i know the actor is uh, uh maori the indigenous yeah. people all are, right oh there um that all right anything more on this episode or should we move on to what, what it, it feels like it is kind of like it's a four-episode arc, but it's kind of two two-part episodes that go into mm-hmm. it. So the second I, I part... Have, go ahead. I have one thing, just like a fun tidbit. I really enjoyed, so Anakin and Ahsoka's team has to make their way past a giant wall because walls are useful in a war with flying things. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, um, <laughs> they climb the wall or they like force jump onto the wall maybe um, and put some, put some explosives into it. Mm-hmm. And then they have to jump force jump off the wall and rex is also there he's like jetpacked onto the wall and they're like rex get ready and they're like huh for what and they just like push him with the force off the wall and then he he's like next time just tell me when to jump no he like screams and is like falling to his death and then they like catch him they They force catch him at the bottom so there's like a good couple seconds where rex thinks he's gonna die yeah. yeah It, it was that that whole exchange was hilarious <laughs> next time just tell me to jump yeah <laughs> yeah let me know that you're gonna force catch me it's yeah yeah that's that's i i like that moment from rex quite a lot um uh yeah so let's next go to the next episode which is um weapons factory mm-hmm. terrible name for um, an episode yes <laughs> um ahsoka and luminera unduli uh, uh, and luminera unduli's padawan barris ofi Sneak into the droid factory to destroy it while their masters face the new indestructible super tanks. Um, yeah, so not a great uh, uh, name. I will say the super tanks seemed incredibly disappointing to me because basically they just had somewhat bigger guns and were a little bit harder to destroy, but pretty much and, the same. 
And I would not, like, kid me would not want to buy these toys. Yeah. Like, the Republic's walker tanks, yeah. I definitely would have wanted to buy. But these, like, super tanks, they're, they're just, like, turtle, big turtles, kind of, mm-hmm. on wheels. And they don't really have, like, all of the guns are hidden. Yeah. So, like, a panel opens up and then the guns fire. So it doesn't look cool for a kid, right, <laughs> if the guns are hidden. Yeah. Which, I mean, it... Which seems like a weird way to judge these until you remember that, like, Lucas very clearly said he was creating this show in part to have, like, a whole new set of marketable you toys. You want to sell toys. Yeah. I mean, it was brilliant. I'm like, all about that. He was the first movie maker to say, can I get, like, you know, the rights to all the merchandising? And that's how he made so much money off Star Wars. So, um, but yeah. Oh, it, but he, but he, uh, like, we watched the um, the toys. The toys that made us. Yeah. Mm. This is an interesting backstory about the <laughs> we'll get into that nice another episode for sure, sure yeah. uh, what, what, what's your take on uh, uh the new padawan we meet barris and uh, barris sophie she seems like classic padawan like everything a padawan <laughs> should be if they had a master who wasn't anakin <laughs> oh, uh-huh. dear. well i mean yeah, she's so, polite she's polite she follows orders <laughs> um she's she's like yeah and so at the very the very beginning of the episode is ahsoka trying uh-huh. to uh explain the plan oh god to the to the troops and anakin is just constantly interrupting her and she even she calls him out on it and she's like you were interrupting i wasn't interrupting you like he interrupts her telling him that she was interrupting him and it's so it seems like such a left turn from the previous episode where they were getting along and they had this like little banter going and we're really meshing well to this, like, Anakin is back to treating her very much like a child yeah. um, and has no faith in her at all, but also is in this, like, needs to control her. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Barris is, like, everything a Padawan should be. Um, and even when they get to, uh, like, Barris and Ahsoka get into a sticky situation and Luminara, her, Barris's master, is, like, willing to, willing to accept that Barris might die basically right whereas anakin says the line i refuse to let her die which is like not really your Mm. call anakin (laughs) some Mm. things you can't control when else does he refuse to let someone die (laughs) right yeah i i was so confused by this whole plot because Mm. like i really liked how the two of them showed up and they i think like the dynamic between the two of them is so different you know barris is much more sort of demure and like you know um subservient really to to uh unduli but unduli also treats her with so much more respect you know and it feels like a much more respectful relationship and kind of a nice counterpoint to make ahsoka and anakin bickering seem silly Mm -hmm. but then like if you want to show me a character who is supposed to be showing that she is more level-headed than anakin because she realizes the cold hard truth that anakin refuses to realize that truth has to be true Sure, you know, yeah. and when it turns out that actually she's wrong, and they mm. can rescue, and if she did her, I don't care enough. You know, I'm not going to care. I'm not attached. I'm going to accept this. Someone would die who wouldn't have to. Like, I want to root for her, but that makes it much harder. But I think it really sets up like Anakin's character nicely because, the, I mean, whether uh, the Padawans lived or died was kind of up in the air, especially from their perspective. Like they didn't know. Um, and him being right in that situation gives yeah. him that idea that he can control all these situations and just like gives him the confidence to keep 
doing this shit, uh, doing this stuff yeah. in the future. Well, it's the the flyboy hero is always right, mm-hmm. right syndrome in these movies and TV shows, right? And it's why we we love the Last Jedi. Oh yes, because Poe ends up being wrong. Like he does the flyboy thing and does blow up the ship, but it's like you lost half of our half of our bombers. Yeah, yeah and we can't afford that. It's like, oh. <laughs> if you'd have just followed orders, things would have gone better. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that's really true. And I, th- I think you're right. It's a kind of, um, you know, Anakin winds up in a kind of results-oriented thinking where he does something that, yes, in this particular moment is true, but overall is generally not going to be, but he learns the wrong lesson from it. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I also feel like... We're trying to establish the idea that these tactical droids who speak in the very kind of like computer heroes, my <laughs> thoughts, that they're supposed yeah. to be these like tactical battle wizards. They're so dumb. Yeah. Like yeah. there's that <laughs> one who he sees a bomb get thrown next to the tank right next to him yeah. and is like, ha uh-huh. Jedi, that won't hurt the tank. And <laughs> blows up right next to him and takes him out. Like, yeah they're comically bad in a completely different way than the normal battle droids Mm -hmm. yeah i i I enjoy the comedy of it but i really wish they would have like some if you try to be like no no no, i I, we promise this is the technical this is like the actual like competent ones like but they have been competent in the past right yeah they've had yeah that's actually true that are actually like scary and actually seem good at what they do but the vast majority do not yeah, I mean, there was the one at the end of season one that had the the hostages, like, around mm-hmm. his gun emplacements, and he's like, they they will be unable to attack us, like, because they won't want to kill the hostages. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that's evil and smart. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's interesting that they've chosen to do classic computer robot voice for these ones. Um, I'm, I find it kind of annoying, the just the weird vocal modulation of it but i don't like i don't i also don't understand what the point is like we clearly have the battle droids who don't have that same like vocal modulation so clearly you can have them talk in a non-computery sounding way why why do the quote-unquote scarier droids mm-hmm. sound more like computers Sell more toys. To sell more toys. Yeah, I think it's. Right. I don't even know. If they, I don't even know if they had toys for for these droids. Yeah, well, they're like. It's just it's it's interesting. It feels like this level of another level. Like we've talked a lot about dehumanization in this episode, but another layer of it in a different application, I guess. Like mm-hmm. they they look more human than the battle droids do, and that they've got like round faces. Um they're less like gangly yeah but yeah then they sound much more robotic right i don't know it's weird yeah but and and yeah the like ha 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 this will not destroy the tank and then it blows him up is just a like it's funny it's very funny but also like how have they been programmed like are they is this tactical droid just programmed to think of like protect the superior weapon and that's what's important yeah. And then isn't even considering its own well-being. Well, and especially because, like, we're at a point now where we are constantly seeing tactical droids being like, oh, look, Jedi. Okay, I'll send a bunch of battle droids at them, and that'll stop the Jedi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that doesn't work. It's the, clearly the, not working. The word for attempting the same thing over and over again and expecting a different ro- result 
I believe that's the technical definition of insanity, <laughs> you know, and yet that's, that's the, quote, yeah. the fact that no one has ever gotten like all the tactical droids together and been like, by the way, Jedi are badass. Let's let's be careful around them. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. It's getting it's getting to be a thing. Anything else on this episode or should we uh, move on to the the go from a Vietnam War movie to zombie zombie horror movie? zombie horror movie um i just i really like luminaria and and barris i know we touched on them a little bit um but i think as a as a pair they're really interesting um especially i like how i don't are they the same species or have they just made them look visually similar i think they are they both have the kind of spot type things and they both have mm-hmm. the purple lips um and like the green skin and yeah yeah um i just think they're really cool characters and it's just nice to see I don't know. Nice to see another Padawan, uh, like who's Ahsoka's age, another, and they get to interact together. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's all true. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I think, I think to me the most interesting part is it's, you know, there's the old thing about like you never know that something is strange until you see what normal is. Um, hmm. and I can imagine like if if Ahsoka the only you know. 90% of her understanding of the Jedi comes from Anakin. She probably thinks this is what's normal. And so the more time she spends around other Jedi and their Padawans and starts to be like, whoa, I'm my teacher's kind of out of left field here. Um, and also does again remind me, why do they let Anakin keep a Padawan? Yeah, there's been so many reasons to just be like, you know what, Anakin, you're a bad influence. We're going to take her away. Yeah. Goodbye. Like, sure. she's, yeah. All right. Um, well, unless there's nothing else, why don't we um, move on to the uh, zombie horror movie part of the Clone Wars uh, right after this commercial break that we have no control over. So welcome back. And now let's talk about season uh, two, episode seven, uh, Legacy of Terror. Uh, and this is the beginning of our zombie plot in which uh, Luminary is captured while looking for Separatist leader Poggle the Lesser. And it's up to Anakin, Obi-Wan and Commander Cody to enter a colony of Geonosian zombies to find her. Um, yeah, what's our take on, uh, Geonosian zombies? Um, yeah, like we were saying, I like how they lean into the horror movie. It is very classic horror trope. Uh, Mm -hmm. and this part, we just get, like, the first half of the zombies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the first is, like, they're, they're going in, they find the queen, they can't kill all these bugs for some reason, they find out that she's, like, mind-controlling them by laying eggs, which hatch into worms. And then crawl up their noses. Yeah. Super fun. Uh, which uh, they, they made a reference at one point to wondering if the worms would go up the nose or through the mouth or in the ear. Which I think has to have be a Star Trek Wrath of Khan reference. Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of glad they didn't go through the ear. But I feel like they mentioned it just to kind of like be like, yeah, we know we're kind of doing the Wrath of Khan thing. Yeah. And it also, it's Obi-Wan who says it. So he has this like lighthearted, sarcastic... Like so, L- Luminar has been captured. She like she's she's gone down there to look for the queen. I don't know why she's she's gone into this underground. Oh, Poggle. Oh, Poggle. Yeah. She's hunting Poggle. She's hunting Poggle, who's gone into this underground cave structure area. Uh, finds the queen and her minions. Sends a a message to Obi Wan saying like, if you're following me, turn around and leave. Uh, Obi Wan goes, oh man, we should really find her now, um, and does not. <laughs> turn around and leave and in fact goes in deeper yeah they find her she's been held captive and uh anakin wants to just go in there 
lightsabers blazing and grab her and get out, Obi-Wan wants to, like, sit back, consider things. So, yeah, the, the line of, like, is it going to go through the nose and the ear? They're both standing there talking <laughs> to the queen. Anakin's like, let's go and grab Luminara right now. He's like, no, 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 no. Let's just wait. Let's just wait. Where do you think it's going to go? Yeah. Anakin's like, I don't, I don't think she wants to find out where it's going to go. He's like, no, no, let's just, let's just see. Let's just hold back here. So I think it's also referencing that they know that they're doing of takeoff, Wrath of Khan, and also showing that, like, Obi-Wan will be sarcastic to anyone and anything at any time. Yeah. Well, and I know, uh, Riki, you had some thoughts on uh, Obi-Wan as the animal lover of the show. <laughs> so Obi-Wan, I don't know if you noticed this, but any chance he has to ride an animal on a planet, he does it. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I think it starts in the movies, right? Um, in in the third movie, Revenge of the Sith, when he's like hunting down General Grievous, he ends up riding like this lizard thing. Yeah, that uses like a sound. It has like a sound weapon, like roo, roo, something like that. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, but then throughout the the Clone Wars TV series, he's always riding stuff. I mean, we'll we'll, we'll get to more of this, but but he has like this love of animals. It seems. And and in this episode, Anakin kills one of the worms on their way out. He's like, oh, ew, and just, like, lightsabers it. And Obi -Wan, he steps on it. I thought he lightsabered it and then stepped on it. I don't know. He kills it. Anakin kills the worm. Mm -hmm. And Obi-Wan is like, oh, but I wanted to study that. And then Anakin says, you can study the bottom of my shoe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was a, a, a kind of tough moment there. Uh, but, it, I mean, interesting, and it shows the two different perspectives they have. Um you know, I, I liked I I you wrote in the notes, Riki, that Obi Wan is the 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 galaxy's Steve Irwin, um, which I really <laughs> liked. Um, and yeah, and it's it, it's it, to me, I, I at first I wondered if it because I read your notes before I watched it. I was wondering if this was going to be kind of a like sanctity of life thing, and I don't think it's quite that. It's just that Obi Wan yeah. loves to study these things. You know, it's a, I think it's a genuine curiosity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and just like if he weren't a Jedi fighting in a war, he would want to be a zookeeper and, and show <laughs> kids all the animals. I think yeah. that's very true. Yeah, and I, I don't think it's that he has this great respect for the Geonosians or the Queen or anything like that. Um, as a like, it's a very paternal sort of like I wanted to study it, not a like ah oh, that is a living thing and we should respect it, right? Mm -hmm. Especially the way so. When they finally get to the queen's chamber, as I mentioned before, Anakin wants to go in, lightsabers blazing. Obi-Wan's like, no, no, let's just go talk to her. And Anakin's like, oh, that's so dumb, but all right, let's go do it. And in Obi-Wan's like super sarcastic way, he's talking to her and really talking down to her. And he's like, well, you're not the queen of this planet anymore, your majesty. Which yeah. is just like super colonizer-y, right? Like... We're displacing you. This is the Republic's planet now. I'm sorry you think you're the queen, but you're not anymore. So, bye. Yeah, I I hoped that plot line was going to go in a very different direction. Mm -hmm. I thought it was going to be, like... Because the queen and the zombies clearly seem, like, much more just kind of, like, animalistic. And, and I'm trying not to use kind of, like, colonizer language myself. But, like, they, they seem much more... You know, a very different approach to to things than the uh, the Genosians we've seen before, like Poggle and the like. Mm -hmm. And I kind of hoped that we were going to kind of get an idea of like that she and these Genosian zombies living underground 
didn't really realize just what Poggle and all them were up to. And it was sort of like, you know, yeah, you know, how dare they, you know, cause this war to come to my planet and I'm going to work with you Jedi to, to, to overthrow this. And yeah. so I felt really disappointed when they were just like, nope, we're just straight up horror mustache trollers. I'm just going to eat you, you know? Yeah. yeah. No, bug, bug or whatever. Like anytime there's a queen, you just kill it, right? Like aliens, Sigourney Weaver, you, you got to kill the queen. Yeah, and it, it, it had very, like, voodoo kind of vibes, too, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, she's using her eggs to... And even the word zombie, right? Like, um, I think that, that comes from, like, old voodoo? I'm not, mm-hmm. and, like... thought it came from the cranberries. It came from the cranberries. <laughs> I looked up... I remember watching an old, uh, like, black and white horror movie called i walked with a zombie i don't know if any either of you are familiar i haven't seen it now it's okay this is me looking at the googles it's a 1943 horror film um it's kind of like a cult classic basically there's the the zombie is uh like an african man who's been hypnotized like it's not a zombie in the the yeah it's like a zombie in the sort of voodoo uh, zombie is being used in a similar way here despite them being like it's sort of a fusion of the two right like we they, we do have that the Genotians are undead right but also they're being mind controlled right they're not mindless it's the queen controlling them yeah I think it's interesting I, I think you're right I mean um, as I understand it the word zombie which uh, I just took a quick look and it does most etymology believes that it has origins in uh, a West African word that, that does come out of Vudan culture, um, but that, that also is connected to a Spanish word, um, uh, uh, sombra, uh, which means kind of shadow or ghost, and that it, it might be connected to that. Oh. Um, I'm not a language etymologist. I'm just going with a, um, uh, what etymology online is telling me. But um, I, I, think, I, I think it's true that there have always been a couple of different – there's a couple of different things that we sort of put under the zombie idea. You know, and one of them is kind of like pseudo magically or spiritually reanimated corpses in in this kind of like a, a you know a, 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 this kind of a culture, and then also more the like the you know created in a laboratory Doctor Frankenstein kind of a thing. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I I feel like if they hadn't been Geonosians, Geonosians or however you pronounce it. I would have liked this a lot more if it had been some other race that had not already been so dehumanized. Then I would have been really into it to do like the like, yes, we already established that they are sort of, you know, ugly, horrible, scary bugs. And so you can kill them without any you know concern. But now we're going to make them even more screwed up by making them zombies. Uh, it, it, it just felt a little much. Yeah. And I, I like what you're saying with the like we've already gone through such like colonizer themes with the Genotians. And even like if you think about like the click language that they're speaking, mm-hmm. I think we can make like direct correlation to some of the click languages present in African cultures, right? Yep. So this idea of like we were othering them, we're colonizing them, and now we're incorporating like some voodoo magic in there too. Um is very I don't want to say like maybe not necessarily problematic, like problematic for the actions of the heroes, definitely. Yeah. Um, but an interesting theme that they're taking in this show, uh, as well as incorporating that sort of traditional, quote unquote, traditional horror. Uh, yeah. And like, he, and that, what were you guys doing about zombies? Here I have 
I have trouble giving the writers more credit. Like, it does feel like the writers mm-hmm. wanted... Because, you know, again, like, you know, showing eight-year-olds are heroes killing other sentient living beings is a hard thing. So maybe they wanted it mm-hmm. to be better to kill. Um, I did, though... Um, and again, this kind of goes to a debate we were having about when they were on the Twilight Planet before. And so we may see it differently again. I liked the the soldiers calling them bugs. Like, it was obviously very racist and very problematic, but I felt like that was kind of the point. It was, again, reinforcing, like, the the way that in warfare, soldiers, like... Um, dehumanize? Yeah, they dehumanize, and that they, um you know, it, it's, it's an unfortunate thing that armies have learned, is that in order to get soldiers to be okay, you know, to, to not have any conscience about shooting the enemy, you have to completely dehumanize them. And certainly we did this mm-hmm. to... Americans about Japanese troops in World War Two. We did it to uh, English and American soldiers about Germans in World War One. You know, it's it's definitely always been a thing. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, bugs, bugs just have so much history, <laughs> and like this, going through the caves, the catacombs, mm-hmm. like that has a very bug hunt feel, like just like Starship Troopers. Yep. Um, and, and it's very claustrophobic because these things, uh, do, do the zombie ones fly? I don't remember if they were flying. No, they like, but they can like, really fly, but, yeah. but they can crawl, like they crawl can crawl weird. on the ceiling, yeah, right? Yeah. And it's just like very creepy to yeah. be, to be in, in a catacomb like that with these, these creatures. And so I don't think that aspect would have worked if they had been human more humanoid mm-hmm. zombies the the fact that they are bugs like in these caves is what gives it the atmosphere and also i mean it's shot <clears throat> very much as you would a horror movie right like you even have uh obi-wan sends two troopers off on their own oh, yeah. it's like don't split the party obi-wan <laughs> come on but uh sends them off and they're they've just got their headlamps on mm-hmm. so they go and they encounter one of them and then we see a scene of the other clone flips around and just his headlight illuminates the, the face of the zombie bug that's right up on his face yeah. before the like the screams. Um, right? So it's got a lot of that horror movie troping. And it's, it's, it's creepy. The bug element is creepy. And the queen is, I mean, acting like a queen ant or queen bee, right? She's sitting there basically immobile producing eggs and then the zombies are very mechanically like going through and processing them getting them to hatch and sticking them up each other's nose yeah <laughs> very strange <laughs> yeah. yeah i i think this is probably my least favorite episode of the four I, it's got some good parts but i think just the whole zombie thing and, and the way it played out just really didn't sit well with me yeah the zombie thing is it's it's, it's interesting um i I really liked how it showed Anakin and Obi-Wan's different takes on dealing with conflict. Uh, like Anakin wanting to go in lightsabers ablaze and Obi-Wan wanting to just go and talk to the queen. And I wish I wish that Obi-Wan would have actually wanted to go and talk to the queen to try and just like talk to her instead of it being a distraction strategy yeah. so that the clones could get around and they could cave in the catacombs um on her and the rest of the zombies um but yeah they they get out they're uh they're about to head back they've got a 
again, split up uh, because they have to do a supply run. And uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin send the Padawans. Yeah, it's uh, Luminara's Padawan mm-hmm. and, and, and uh, his name is Barriss. <laughs> Yeah, let, let, let's, let's get into that last episode. Brain, yeah. um, the uh, wonderful title, Brain Invaders. Um, brain Invaders. Well, it's, again, like Legacy of Terror and Brain Invaders both seem like I could see them in that, like, goopy font in a sort of, like, the blob. Yeah, very ni- 1950s, like, pulp horror movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You you you, go, you take some you take your date to a drive-in theater so the hope that they get scared and cuddle up against you kind of thing. A hundred percent, like brain invaders from the planet Geonosha. Oh yeah, God! Now I want to see that as a nineteen fifties pulp horror movie. <laughs> uh, so in this one, Ahsoka and Barris are to transport critical supplies to a medical station, but their clone troops are infested with mind-controlling Geonosian worms, which try to kill the Jedi. Barris is also infected by the mind-controlling worms. So yeah, so we get the kind of, again, a horror movie trope of your friends are being mind-controlled and you don't want to hurt them, but also they're going to kill you, and so how do you fight them and, and, and all that kind of thing. What's what's your take on this episode? Oh, I mean, this is a little bit of Invasion of the Body Snatchers mm-hmm. uh, crossed with um, John Carpenter's The Thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wish they had had more of the thing aspect because mm-hmm. it, it's kind of like revealed like, oh, no, like the clones are somehow being controlled and then and then everyone's evil. So I wish there had been just a little bit more of we know one of you is evil, but not which one and like who done it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's uh, even the very beginning, it starts and one of the clones, they're all just like taking a nap uh, after having fought these zombies as you do as you do it's fair and one of the worms like crawls up the nose of one of the sleeping clones uh and then they're they're all waking up and they're like oh come on i I forget the clone's name but they're like oh come on like time to wake up time to go everybody turns around and he does like the creepiest exorcist spider walk wake up move Mm -hmm. uh and then the other clone's like, oh, welcome back to the land of the living. Like, yeah, undead. <laughs> Funny. Um, and it just has, again, has the, like, the sack full of the little eggs that the worms hatch from and is carrying it onto the ship. And I think that reminds me of, like, so many, like, horror, thriller yep. movies, right? Where it's like, you don't know I'm, I'm the host. I'm going to carry this invasion into you. Yeah. Body Snatchers. So I found myself... <clears throat> Body Snatchers did it. Um, I think there's another, like, Invaders from Mars was another one. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminded me of, like, Aliens, too, but it's been a long time since I've seen that, so I could be very wrong. Yeah. No, but there's definitely the sort of, like, anyone could be a host kind of a thing. Although, mm-hmm. they seem to go back and forth that sometimes you can pretend that you're not a host, and other times it's very, very apparent, which was a little weird. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I, um, I have to say, like, I think this is my favorite episode. I think there's a lot of great stuff in it. Most of which is is kind of ancillary or totally irrelevant to the main plot. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I thought the main plot was like, you know, there's some interesting stuff there, but it's pretty by the numbers. Um, I thought it was a little interesting that, like, sometimes they seem to be trying hard not to kill them because they're like, oh, it's not their fault. They're controlled. But then at one point, Barris nah. is just like, nope, this guy's on top of me. I just, you know, gut yeah. him with a lightsaber. Um, yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I thought I thought most of the cool stuff was kind of like the little asides that were happening throughout the episode. Mm. Like what? Um. Well, so one is um. I I think my favorite moment is um, when Ahsoka and Barris are just kind of having their like you know, it we're in the mess hall of the war room. We're gonna like have a chat, and they start talking about um what life will be like after the war. Um, hmm. and they get into a conversation where, uh, the, the question comes up, um, are they supposed to be keepers of the peace or warriors? And Barris says, you know, we're not supposed to be warriors. We're supposed to be keepers of the peace. And Ahsoka <laughs> answers, well, yes, but can we keep the peace without being warriors? Um, which I just thought was such an interesting thing. And it gets to a lot of the, the kind of subtle questions that the show has been asking all along about, you know, how does being generals fundamentally change what the Jedi are or expose a problem of, of who the Jedi have been this whole time. Yeah, definitely. What was your, what was your take on, uh, on that, that discussion? I actually forgot that discussion. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> like for, for me, like this is all about the, the horror stuff and I was enthralled. No, that's and legit. I wanted more of it. That's legit. I'm kind of glad we can get different things out of it because I'm definitely not the horror guy. I'll just say one more on that and then let, let you guys talk more about the horror. Um, to me, another interesting point in this is, especially given a, a, a thing you you pointed out, um, Anakin, uh, 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 Riki, about where Anakin goes. <laughs> at, at one point, they're they're talking about this, um, you know, the life after the war. And Ahsoka says, you know, I will say, like, she's talking about Anakin and she says, I don't know how peacetime will agree with him. Um which I just thought was a very interesting like insight she has to the person he's becoming. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. We get a lot of fun foreshadowing moments about the person Anakin's becoming in this episode. So the the music, right? Yeah. I missed it the first time we watched it. But but the second time it just like hit me like a bolt of lightning. So what, what what was the specific moment you're talking about? Just for those Um, of us who haven't seen it in a while. So, Ahsoka and Barris are on this ship and they they get a message out that the ship has been infected with the mind control worms. So Anakin um, goes to Poggle, the lesser, who they captured uh, in the last episode, and goes to ask him what's up with these worms. And Poggle, using his interpreter droid, is like, I'm not going to tell you anything, cop. <laughs> and Anakin is like, "Oh, really?" And the the musical cue is is just perfect. It is Vader's theme from the Star Wars movies. Yeah, it just like, yeah, it just like subtly plays very softly, and Anakin basically beats Poggle up. Yeah, to get the information. That was such a good moment. I think it because yeah, you're right. It, it especially playing out against what Ahsoka was saying about him. It's just that it's that nice reminder of like. He's not there yet, but this is the path he's on, and this is one of those moments where that comes out. Mm-hmm. And it's the first one, right, that we've seen in this series, I think. I, I noticed the music come up in a later episode, so I, it surprised me a little that it came came up here. I don't think so the music has happened yet, but I think there was one or two moments in season one where we saw him kind of lose it, in part because of his attachment to others. Um, certainly him make bad decisions mm-hmm. because of his attachment to others that, that kind of foreshadow things, but... This is the first time where I see I I think this is the first moment where I see him kind of like use dark side energy. Um especially the force choke. Mm-hmm. Like I don't I don't think we ever see anyone who is a Jedi force choke anyone in the shows or the movies. Yeah. Other than Anakin? Yeah. yeah. 
Hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think they've made some other references um, to him becoming Vader uh, earlier in the season. But yeah, this is... <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just like, it's really well done. And I mean, demonstrating the things... Like, Anakin's, Anakin's main thing, right? Like, he can't have control, so he's going to get control of the situation no matter what. Um, right? He's got an attachment to Ahsoka, which he shouldn't have. But, I mean, it's there. He loves her. And he's not going to let somebody that he loves die. And he's going to do anything to stop it, regardless of the cost. Yeah. I think it's very true. And then he kind of... And then he, like, lies or sidesteps questions about how he got toggled to talk. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. And again, it's that thing where it's like, it's it, it. the worst part is that he does get the information. So in his mind, he does learn this works, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I think that's important, right? Like, if, if these tactics didn't work, if he was being reprimanded for them, then the the switch to Vader wouldn't be as convincing. Mm-hmm. But I think we're really seeing how, in Anakin's mind, like, this is all falling into place. This all makes sense. And then, ultimately, when he does turn to the dark side, it makes more sense as to why he's chosen to do that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, like, it's 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 a comment I think I, I've, got, I, I've read a, a lot of reviewers make, is that this show does what the clone movies were supposed to do but failed, which is that, they really, they really show the, the fall of Anakin and like why he goes yeah. on this path. Um, so yeah, one other quick foreshadow thing that uh, Ricky, you again pointed out um, in, in our notes um, that that moment when the the clone troopers are granted they're worm controlled, but they're talking about what to do about the Jedi, and they one of them just kind of says pretty ominously, "We know how to handle Jedi." Um, and yeah, I thought that was a really nice, like very subtle, but Order sixty six, um, you know, uh, what, what's the word? Pre-shadowing moment, not. Foreshadowing moment. Foreshadowing? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think there's even a moment where Barris and Ahsoka are talking and saying something like, oh, the clones will never hurt us. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, oh, just you no, wait. never. Yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, so you want to uh, talk about the horror, horror side of it now? Sure. I mean, I'll, I'm, I'm also not much of a horror fan, so I'll <laughs> leave that mostly the Riki. Well, I mean... It's just, it's just, I love, I love mind control bugs <laughs> and things. And, and those, those moments where someone formerly an ally has become an enemy. Yeah. And I wish, so, so like you said, Barris um, becomes infected and turns on Ahsoka. But it's, it's like too obvious. Mm-hmm. I think like when she comes back. Uh, she just like doesn't say anything and so it goes like well what's going on like did you do the thing and then Barris just like uses the force to shatter shatter the glass between them and attack her well, I and, think... I, and I wish there had been like more dialogue yeah where she's like kind of playing along and then tries to like ambush her yeah it would be I, I... go ahead go ahead Matthew. okay it would be nice yeah either her playing along or if it was the kind of thing of her like slowly losing control and eventually losing out or something like that. But either one, mm-hmm. I think that would have been a much more interesting way to do it. I was going to say I kind of like the way that it happened because it, it, it made it seem like Barris was sort of internally trying to fight the worm. 
Like, if she had come and was just like, everything's normal, don't worry, I'm definitely not infected with this brain worm, uh, then to me it would seem too much like the brain worm has full control over her. And isn't there, there's even a part where doesn't, like, Barris ask Ahsoka to kill her? Yeah, at the very end. Yeah. And, like, at, at the very end, okay. Uh, but, like, Ahsoka's, like, trying to get through to her and be like, remember who you are when they're fighting, right? And she's telling her, like, remember that you're, like, you're still in there, remember who you are, trying to, like, encourage yeah. her. And so I think it, it makes sense, especially with, like, her being a Jedi and having the, like, powerful mind. I thought it was because Ahsoka had already released the the cryo gas, so like mm-hmm. that's the weakness of the worms. Right, that Anakin gets out of Poggle. It's like Cold. you can you can <laughs> freeze them out of their brains. So she turns she turns she turns the AC on on the ship, basically. Well, it, yeah. advanced version. advanced AC, the hyper AC. So I I thought that the the worm was weakening inside of Barris because of that. Mm. Yeah. That that's definitely how I took it, um, which I I think again in some ways I kind of liked. Like I think it would have been too easy to tell a like Jedi's have stronger mind powers so they can fight these in in some way. So yeah, that's really more interesting twist on it. There were parts of this episode that hit a little too close, mm. I guess. Um, like when they're they're on the ship and they're talking about bringing them back, like docking them with the main ship, and. Um, Master Fisto? Kid Fisto. Kid Fisto. Wearing a shirt. Yep. <laughs> Not for long. Um, is is talking to them and is like, don't worry, like we've got we've got all our safety protocols, we're gonna let you like dock and come on board. Don't worry. Bad idea. Right? And I'm like, this is a bad idea. And I was just like <laughs> low key waiting for him to be like, We're gonna stay six feet apart from each other and then the worms can't get to us. Right? <laughs> it just bad. felt so much like the infected cruise ship is about to dock with the rest of it, and I was kinda like, Oh no. Yeah. It's you're in outer space. Yeah. Like you literally have the perfect quarantine situation, which is that ship is gonna stay in outer space. Yeah. Like, why would you ever dock? Yeah. Yeah, I, I- yeah. I thought it was weird because normally it's Anakin and Ahsoka who are the let's do the crazy thing, don't worry, I'm good enough that I can take the risk on. And so to see mm-hmm. this time Ahsoka being the like, no, let's be super careful, and Fisto, who by the way, I know it's Kit Fisto. Every time I hear that, I think it's Kid Fisto. Um, Kid you know, Fisto the, the fastest is, yes, Jedi in the West. Um, but, like, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I thought it was a it's weird switch and it didn't seem to really make sense for their characters that, uh, and I guess the idea no. is that they needed that medicine ASAP, but still it seemed a little but off. Push it out the cargo door. Yeah. And just like, I don't know. We're going to send the medicine to you. Pick it up with the, like some droids or something. I don't or know. heck, even if like Kit Fisto is like, I'm going to get into a like rocketeering suit and take this medicine to you. But yeah, it just come aboard the yeah. ship that has everybody else on it. Seemed like a real bad idea. It, it seemed like mostly it was a like a way to create the tension of will the ship crash because Ahsoka and Barris are flying it together, are fighting in the mm-hmm. cockpit, and I just I fail to imagine that there isn't some kind of autopilot that automatically kicks in when you're about to ram something unless you've like told it to ram something. Um, yeah, sure. And and like of all the drama in this episode, watching the like you know pudgy little you know the um the pokey little uh puppy uh tugboats trying desperately to like stop the ship with their tractor beams which included (laughs) at one point a a scene of the the clone pilots like 
doing that thing where you like lean back and pull back on the controls, you oh, know, like in a plane, which doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense in a ship with a right, tractor beam, but in like, space. yeah, okay, that's fine. That's fine. Because <laughs> in a plane, you're actually like fighting against the, the airship. Right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, it, it, that, that whole plot line seemed a little bit silly. Yeah, but it was, and then I, I, I like the, the debrief sort of at the end, um, where Ahsoka and Anakin are talking, and Ahsoka says that, you know, Barris wanted, wanted her to kill her, and Anakin's just like, and you couldn't do it. And she's like, no, and, I'm, and, and thinks that that makes her weak, and he's kind of like, no, it makes you strong. Which is like, in a way, I agree, but also it's just showing, again, Anakin's attachment, which is the thing mm. that he is not supposed to have as a Jedi. Yeah. So Master Luminara would have just killed bears. 100%. Oh, yeah. 100%. All right. And, and interesting, I think we see yeah. that in that, because I was pointing out before the like, who kills who, I think, I now that I think of it, Ahsoka never actually kills one of the troopers, whereas Barriss just like guts one with a lit lightsaber. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, yeah. I think it's a good point, definitely. Um, I thought I had some other witty and erudite thing to say about this episode that's now completely out of my head. So, uh, (laughs) any other kind of closing (laughs) thoughts? Well, you've written some notes about Jedi sleep in their clothes. Oh, yeah, I did think, and again, I I think it's just. we see the scene of like the the Ahsoka and um uh, uh the other one napping, and maybe it's because they were just taking a quick nap. But like, they they're wearing the exact same clothes they're always wearing, and it made me think like, have we ever seen Ahsoka change clothes? Like, I can believe no. that no. Anakin has like three or four different robes, but like, she's always in that sort of off red tube top thing. Um, maybe yeah, she's probably just got a closet full of them. Yeah, like... possible. <laughs> Closet full of capes. Yes, that's what I. That's a reference I was gonna make, but I was like, nah. Yeah. But then you did it. You're I, I do wonder if part of that's an animation thing, and like that's oh, that's just much easier to keep drawing the same character. Yeah, it actually makes a lot of sense. So yeah, one of my okay, this is a tangent. One of my favorite like cartoons from back when I was a kid. Uh, it was a Saturday morning cartoon called The Weekenders. Okay. I don't know if either of you are familiar. Wayne Brady wrote the theme song for it. It's great, uh, but. One of the reasons why I liked it is they drew the characters in different clothes, like, daily. Like, they had a few set outfits. Um, the show took place over a weekend. So, like, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they'd always have different outfits on. And, like, Interesting. even episode, okay. they'd have different outfits. Which is, again, like, for animation, it's so much easier to just have your your model and stick with the same outfit all the time, unless there's something that specifically requires it, like Padme switches outfits frequently. But yeah. Oh boy, does she. Oh boy, does she. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, anyway, yeah. that was my tangent. No, yeah, it's cool. Um, yeah, so I think uh, that I'm about ready to wrap up. Any kind of last thoughts from you all? More zombies. Yes. <laughs> Less zombies. I would like, we will get more zombies, I hope. <laughs> Anyway, um, thank you guys as always. Uh, to our fans, what do you all think? We'd love to can hear your thoughts on these episodes uh, or on the Clone Wars in general. You can find us on Facebook uh, and uh, Facebook at uh, Superhero Ethics. Uh, no, S- Star nope. Wars. Every time I, I, I have done it the opposite way though on Superhero Ethics. I've, Star Wars Ethics. We're, we're, we're debating. I'm debating kind of putting them all under one brand name of the Ethical Panda uh, because we're part of the go. Stranded Panda Podcast Network. Uh, 
But yes, you can find us. Um, links to both our Facebook and our Twitter uh, are in the show notes for this. Um, you can also email us. Um, again, that link will be on there. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear what you thought. Um, and also, we would love it if you would, if you like this show, if you want to help us grow the show, if you want to help us be able to do more things and reach more people and, and have more audience conversation, it'd be really great if you can go into iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast and just leave us a review. Um, I hope a five-star review, but any review you want to give is great. But it's just a really nice way to uh, help us move up the, the, search, the search algorithms in those programs and, and get more people watching. Um, you know, right now, I think a lot of people are thinking about the Clone Wars again because of the new season that's come out. We may well be recording something on that pretty soon. Um, but, you know, I'd love it if more people who are looking for Clone Wars could find this. So if you get a moment, write a review. Tell us what you think. Even if it's not a great review, we still love to hear what you think and uh, hear how we can do better. So, Ricky, Sarah, uh, as always, thank you. To our fans, thank you all very much. Have a good day.